1: Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get your
0: podcasts.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Stacking the Box. I am Matt Vertoram alongside Josh Hill and we are three weeks into the season. Still the Monday night game to come between the Cowboys and the Cardinals. But everything else has unfolded. We have saw a lot of upsets this week, probably more than we've seen in some time. So we have a lot to unpack and of course a lot to preview as we head into week four. Already the calendar turning toward October. And Josh, to lead this off, my question to you is... Which team in the NFL has the best point differential?
2: <laughs> oh, I don't think it matters actually what team had has the best point differential as we saw this weekend. Anything can happen. I mean, the Bears can upset the Steelers. <laughs> the the Jaguars can drop 44 on the on the Ravens in London. So, I don't think it matters. I think anything that we learned this week is we actually know nothing.
1: And that that was the point of the question, because the <laughs> the team is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And by the way, if you're wondering which team has scored the most points in the NFL this year, the only team to have over 100, the Los Angeles Rams, because we all saw that coming. So the NFL this year, you know, some years it looks like it's chalk early on.
2: It's anything but right now. We had 10 teams going into Sunday. We thanks Bill O'Brien for that one. But uh, yeah, it, it I would say that this is the most most exciting week that we've had in the NFL and I what a weekend to have the most exciting weekend of football than, you know, this Sunday with everything that was going on.
1: Yeah, uh, a chaotic start to the day for non football reasons and then as the day wore on, certainly the play took over. Uh and and it was. It was it was a fascinating Sunday. I can't remember a time where there were so many upsets uh throughout the throughout the day and you know, really to, to dive in here, you know, we can Lead off here a little bit, uh, just going over some of what happened. You you mentioned the Jaguars hanging 44 on Baltimore and London. Mm -hmm. The Bears winning in overtime over the Steelers. I don't think anybody saw that coming, including the Bears. Uh, And then, of course, Houston, as you mentioned, Deshaun Watson has his first 300-yard game in the NFL uh, played very well. Unfortunately for Houston fans, not enough. They lose 36-33 with Tom Brady throwing for five touchdowns. Uh, by the way, I think he's okay. I think he's all right after the <laughs> yeah, panic that, I, I think that so. ensued in week one. Um, but that game is going to haunt Houston because it should have won uh, in a multitude of different ways. Chief among them, the Texans had fourth and one at about New England's 25-yard line with a little over two minutes to play. New England out of timeouts. If the Texans ran the ball there and got the first down, they could have taken the knee. The game would have been over. And instead, Bill O'Brien kicks a field goal, which, depending on who you're playing, is fine. If you're playing a team with no offense, I get that. You go up a touchdown, so on and so forth. To leave Tom Brady, to willingly leave Tom Brady, a man <laughs> you coached at one point over two minutes and the two-minute warning, uh, is, is incredible to me. How, how they could have decided not to run there, you need a yard. You have an athletic quarterback, you have Lamar Miller, run an option, play to the edge. I, I don't understand it, and it costs use in the game. And now the Texans, instead of being 2-1, and one, huge win, coming home to play Tennessee, now 1-2, and two, still coming home to play Tennessee, but not quite the same feel as it would have been.
2: Yeah, and then Bill O'Brien forgets that he has a timeout <laughs> when you know oh. the, on the last drive oh. because they're driving down the field and they could they could get a field goal. Like I don't know if they would have got there. We're, we're never going to know. But they
1: blew ten seconds.
2: But that was incredible. I mean, we were watching the game and we were like, does he know he has a timeout? Is he going to call that timeout? And you know, people on Twitter were kind of like, oh, Deshaun Watson should know. No, Bill O'Brien should know. Yes, absolutely. he's the head coach. If he sees this, if I see my quarterback at the not calling a timeout, I'm sprinting to the nearest field judge and I'm I'm calling timeout. I'm screaming it. I'm writing it out on my whiteboard and I'm holding it up. So you call that timeout. Uh, you also go for it on fourth and one. The Texans, it's they weren't trying to win the Super Bowl here. They were trying to upset the New England Patriots on the road with a rookie quarterback. You go for it on fourth and one. I every, all these people always talk about coaches and situations and everything like that and you know situational decision making. You go forward on fourth and, and one there. You try to win the game on the road. I, I marked it down as a moral victory, as much as I hate those, for Deshaun Watson, because he did. He went on the road and played the best game of his career. He, I mean, he started against Tom Brady and went toe-to-toe in his second career start. Yep, That's big time, and I think it's time. If anything, we learned in that game, Deshaun Watson might be somebody we need to start, start taking a little bit more seriously quicker than we thought.
1: Yeah, I, I'm surprised by Watson, because I, I did a film review of his game against Cincinnati, and I, I thought he was pretty bold.
2: How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that
0: conveys the feeling of 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs?
2: This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K, unreasonably good.
1: Oh, Average from the pocket, mm-hmm. but he stepped up in a big way, and I'm curious to see how he plays against Tennessee here this coming week at home. Uh, you know, the Texans, it's really, I hesitate to say it's a must win because it's early in the year and it's the AFC South, but... You lose that game, you're losing a home game to the Titans, who are probably the favorite in your division. Gotta get it done. Moving on though, we'll we'll circle back to the Texans when when we get to that game, go a little more in depth, but week four, it begins at Lambeau. The Packers are favored by a touchdown over the Bears. Frankly, I thought they'd be favored by more than that, but the Bears getting some respect, having beaten Pittsburgh. Mike Glennon threw for 101 yards in that game. He was terrible, it didn't matter. The Bears are able to run all over the Steelers. And so now they go into Green Bay where the Packers were almost upset by the winless Bengals. It took a touchdown at 18 seconds to go to tie the game. And then predictably the Packers were able to win it in overtime. Uh, Aaron Rodgers with one of his patented draw him off sides and throw a deep ball play that set up the winning field goal. Uh, but the Packers escape. They're two and one. The Bears one and two oldest rivalry in the NFL. I am excited for this game for no other reason. I really like the Bears one, two punch punches Jordan Howard and Three Cone, And I'm curious to see how the Packers defend that, because their defense at times can be had.
2: Yeah, that's the problem with me is what's up with the Packers' defense. But that seems to be the question that we've had going all the way to back when they won the Super Bowl is what's up with the defense. It's Aaron Rodgers' team. Everybody knows that he can throw to a traffic cone and somehow score a touchdown and make it a useful part of the offense. But it's you know Don Caper's defense. Blitzing all the time, doesn't know what we're doing. You had a lot of old guys on that defense, a lot of inexperienced guys on that defense, and they let Andy Dalton, who and the Bengals, who hadn't scored an offensive touchdown through the first two games, come into Lambo and march down on the first drive of the game and score a touchdown with pretty much ease. That concerned me a little bit. They came back, which, you know, you, you do that with Aaron Rodgers. He'll do that. But to me, them getting the Bears on Thursday night couldn't have stacked up better because it's the g- exact game that you want coming out of what was too, way more of a tight game than you thought it was going to be with Cincinnati. And I think the Bears are getting too much credit. It's great that they upset the Steelers, but we said this last week. Every year, Mike Tomlin and the Steelers had that yep. one game yep. where they go on the road and they lose to a team that they should beat very soundly, and they don't. And I think maybe I, this is false confidence.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll get to the Steelers in a little bit, but you know, the, the Bears in that game, in the win, rushed for 220 yards, 5.8 yards in a but here's the interesting thing. Howard and Cohn combined for 216 of those yards, each averaging more than six yards of carry. Howard had the two touchdowns, including the, the game winner in overtime. They also led the Bears in receiving. Oof. Howard had 26 yards to lead the Bears, and Cohn had 24 <laughs> to be second on the team. Uh, and, and, and Benny Cunningham was third with 23 yards, also a running back. So the point being, if you're the Packers – you basically put eight guys in a box the whole game and say, go ahead and beat us. You have no receivers. The Bears are beat up beyond words at that position. Uh, they are getting healthier on the offensive line. Kyle Long back, uh, just sitting, though, however, still banged up. Frankly, I think the Packers win the game. I think the cover. Um, they're a better team. I expect Aaron Rodgers to do horrendous things to that secondary. The secondary is not good, although it deserves credit against Pittsburgh, played tough. Marcus Cooper with one of the dumbest plays oh, I've ever seen in my God. life. <laughs> on special teams but played very well on coverage and by the way for anyone who didn't see the play uh it was the last play of the first half or was going to be anyway bears block a field goal the ball bounces right into cooper's breadbasket, and he runs to the five-yard line uh could have could have jogged into the end zone but apparently couldn't have walked into it because that's what he tried to do from the five-yard line celebrating and the ball got ripped out of his hands luckily for him the Steelers illegally batted the ball out of the end zone. The Bears got another down, and they, they at least salvaged a field goal out of it. But Marcus Cooper almost cost him the game. That said, didn't cost him the game, so he he can uh, sleep well at night, I guess. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Bears' secondary holds up against Rodgers. They couldn't stop Antonio Brown, not that anybody really can. He had 10 catches for a buck.
2: Nine points to the Seahawks. It's all right. The next week they give up 34 to the, the Falcons, and then yesterday they give up 24 to the Bengals who have a putrid offense and had trouble scoring against Houston and had trouble scoring against, you know, Baltimore in the first week. So Green Bay's defense is a concern to me, but Mike Lennon's the quarterback that they're going up against and 101 yards on Sunday. That's, that's not going to get it done in Green Bay.
1: I think this is his last start with the Bears because I think they're going to lose. And I think after this, it's a week and a half off. And you're Mm going to see Mitchell Trubisky Uh, moving on to the Sunday slate let start off with the London game, second London game of the year. The Saints technically at the Dolphins, so a neutral field, really. Vegas sees the Saints as a two-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Uh, I think that has something to do with the fact, A, the Saints waxed Carolina on Sunday, mm-hmm. and the Dolphins were busy getting blown out in the Meadowlands <laughs> by the Jets, which I don't think we ever thought we were going to utter that sentence. The Jets blessed somebody this year, but they did. I give my dad credit. I know he's going to listen to this podcast. So I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, I told him he was huffing paint when, when he picked the <laughs> Jets to beat the Dolphins. And uh, lo and behold, the old man got it right. So <laughs> the Saints, two and a half. Uh, listen, New Orleans saved their season uh, on Sunday, mm-hmm. went to Carolina, won by three touchdowns, picked off Cam Newton three times. The defense for once looked competent. I don't know if that's more of a compliment toward the Saints or a dig at the Panthers, uh, but a nice job by the Saints nonetheless. Look, we know the Saints can score. We know offensively they can throw the ball around. Drew Brees is who he is. Okay, he's going to be in the top five, top three in passing yardage at the end of the year. Uh, but can they can they stop anybody? Well, they did on, on Sunday, and if they can somehow go to London and win this game, uh, all of a sudden, back in the mix in the NFC South, meanwhile, the Dolphins, uh, I don't know whether this is a game where they come out furious because of how they played on Sunday or if they are a little bit shattered after what was – Not only a loss to the Jets, but a handling. It it was not even as
2: close as the 20-6 to
1: score indicates.
2: It was brutal. And I want to say it was surprising, but they should have lost the first week or the second week of the season, their first game of the year, to the Chargers. If, you know, that if, the, if Los Angeles' kicker doesn't miss the, a kick and they don't rush it out there and Anthony Lynn doesn't screw up what he wants to do, there's a good chance that they make that kick and the Dolphins are staring down 0-2 right now, and that's bad, especially when you come off a loss to the Jets. You know, I, I hate the dog and the Jets too much because everybody's been doing it. They finally got their win. I don't want to make this about how terrible they're going to be from here on out, but, I mean, the Dolphins, they lose to the Jets. And not only did they lose to the Jets, but they lost to a divisional opponent and I think that people maybe skirt over that a little bit because they're so stunned that New York finally won a game. But you take a look at the AFC East, the Bills are in first place right now. The Patriots are far from being invincible. The Dolphins probably could have had a real shot at a wild card spot that maybe the Bills are going to get this year, but not when you lose games like this to the Jets and not when you're playing the way Jay Cutler is playing and running that offense, which seems a little bit lazy. So to me... This is a game that the Saints, it's going to be up to them to lose. They're going to go over to London. Drew Brees, it seems like he's finally firing on his cylinders. Maybe it took a little while for him to get going on offense. But the Saints, like you said, this could be an opportunity for them to save their season and do kind of what the opposite of the Dolphins are doing, where the Dolphins really could have capitalized on a surprisingly even playing field in the uh, the AFC East. Now the the Saints, with the Buccaneers losing and and, uh, the Panthers looking a little shaky, the Saints they smell blood in the water in the NFC South and I think that they can get back on track with the win and that's what I'm picking I think that they're going to beat Miami and London
1: you know I think I'm with you I think I'm going to take the Saints as well uh I just can't get that that loss uh, out of my head I mean Mm -hmm. the Dolphins they were pounded I I really don't want to continue to sit here and just harp on it but you know, you look at the statistics of the game. Cutler's averaging five yards an attempt against a secondary that most people couldn't pick out of a lineup. Jay Ajahi is supposed to be this big, this big bruising back at 11 carries for 16 yards. They rushed for 30 yards and two two yards a carry as a team in that game. Um, I, the, the problem I have with the Dolphins is what is their identity? Cutler is not going to throw for 4,500 yards. So it's not this big aerial team. They do have some good receivers, but they're not a team – scares you in terms of they're going to just beat you down the field if a to me it should be a Jahi, but he's he's having a you know an average start to the year the offensive line's not great defensively they have problems i think the dolphins are just kind of a seven and nine type of team at this juncture maybe they improve um but i'll take the saints in a neutral side i think i think Mm -hmm. drew Brees does some good things against that defense and uh, and get them to a victory, and you know now you move to the one o'clock slated games on the East Coast and start off with the Rams and the Cowboys. Even though the Cowboys have not played as of the uh, recording of this podcast here, they'll play later tonight. Uh, they are favored by eight and a half over the Rams, which not to take anything away from the Cowboys, I feel like that's a, a pretty high line. Mm-hmm. The, the Rams have been good to this point in the season, so. Uh, I find that line to be to be very high. Dallas, of course, at, at the moment, one and one.
0: Um. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app, and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick 'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Going into a game against the Cardinals, I feel like they should win, but we'll see what happens. I'm curious to see if, if Dallas doesn't play well on Monday night, and, and you know, we'll, we'll find out here, but if they don't, what happens with Ezekiel Alley? Because that seems to be a bubbling issue. Um, you know, the Cowboys really need to win the game, and they're going against a Rams team that... They can put up some points now. We talked about at the beginning of the show. They have Mm -hmm. 107 on the year, more than any team in the league.
2: Yeah, the Rams, I mean, we said it last week, or I said it last week, uh, that Rams-49ers game was low-key, going to be something that you want to watch. And right down to the final minute of the game, it was, you know, what a precursor to the weekend that we saw of just not knowing what was going on, that the 49ers and the Rams put up, what, like 100 points combined together? And and I think that the Rams, that's not something – it wasn't a fluky thing. Like, they did this the first week against – the Colts so this wasn't like one of those weird Thursday night games where both the teams just go off I'm starting to see a lot of things that I like out of the Rams offense and it reminds me a little bit of uh, I kind of want to say like the the Jim Harbaugh the, the Harbaugh 49ers teams where they had players that you they, they had something left and they had young guys who were trying to develop themselves like the Sammy Watkins coming over and the Robert Woods which you know by the way, big weekend for Bills receivers not playing for the Bills anymore.
1: <laughs> Bills fans say they
2: don't care. <laughs> but it kind of reminds me of the, one of those teams where you have a, a young coach who comes in with these guys, and he's not really expected to do much in his first year, and all of a sudden he's putting the pieces together. You could even say this about, like, the Dan Quinn Falcons teams, that they kind of started putting things together sooner than they should have. And Sean McVay, he might be the real deal. You know, they kept the, it was kind of a cool little joke that they kept going to him, sitting on the Gatorade cooler, going over his plays, but – You know, he coached with John Gruden for a while. He comes from a John Gruden system. They were together, you know, in Tampa. He's he's a guy who comes out of that Washington system. He knows what he's doing. I think that the Rams, this is a game where if they come out and they beat the Cowboys you have to take them seriously as a wild-card team. And maybe not even a wild-card team. If you're watching what's happening with Seattle, maybe an NFC West division winner.
1: Yeah, listen, I agree. I, I'm, I'm in on the Rams. I, I don't think this is a team that's going to compete for a Super Bowl this year because they simply just, you know, they, they're not ready yet. They're not there. But this is a team that kind of reminds me almost of the Titans last year where you started yeah. to see some real strides. Mm-hmm. And I give the Rams a lot of credit. Look, I, I've been critical of Les Snead, the general manager there. And, and frankly, I think he should have been fired at the end of the year. But that said... Gerald Everett, second-round pick, third-round pick, Cooper cup They've been two of the better rookies in the league so far mm-hmm. this year. they played very well. The Rams didn't have a first-round pick so they traded up to get Goff, which everybody was laughing about six months ago. Not so much right now. Jared Goff's leading the league in yards per attempt at over 10 yards a clip. Uh, do I think that's going to continue? No, but he looks like a completely different quarterback, and part of the reason is they have real players around him. Sammy Watkins, look, he gets hurt, but when he's on the field, mm-hmm. he can play. Cup can play. Everett's a good young tight end. All of a sudden, you add that, you know, Robert Woods, a complimentary player, had a nice game against the 49ers. You've got Todd Gurley, added Andrew Whitworth on the left side of the line. Like the, the Rams are a real football team. Now, I don't think the Rams are going to go 11-5 and five this year, but the Rams are going to be in the mix. And I agree with you. If they go into Dallas and win that game, all of a sudden the Rams are a very real th- team in the NFC. And by the way, the week after that, they play Seattle at home. And right now, Seattle wants no part of that defensive line because Seattle couldn't block me, Hill, and three-turn style. So <laughs> it, it's, it's a problem right now for them. But the Rams, huge opportunity. And the Cowboys, uh, like, you know, it's kind of hard to analyze just because we don't know what's going to happen in week three here. But uh, they need to continue to win because that division, while the Giants were expected to be good, they're not. The other two teams look like they're very serious. So uh, very interesting game. I will take... I will take the Cowboys in a close game, but I'm taking the Rams to cover
2: and cover easily. The, the Cowboys' defense does not fill me with a whole bunch of confidence. And, you know, Jared Goff is still Jared Goff. He hasn't had that one game where you look at him and go, this guy, he's turned the corner. He did have some moments in that Thursday night game, though, I believe. I forget what quarter it was. I think it was later in the game. But he was scrambling around, and he threw into a pass interference penalty. He, he, I, and I, I saw this on the replay. I watched it a couple of times to see if this was an accident. He looks into the corner of the end zone, sees that if he throws the ball there, it will be a pass interference penalty the way that his receiver is being covered, and throws there. That's the decision-making we did not see last year from Jared Goff. And to me, you said it, it's because he's surrounded by real players. He also has a real head coach. You know, the laziness, the laziness of his rookie season kind of is attributed to the laziness of Jeff Fisher. Now that McVeigh's in town, it's, he, you're starting to see a lot of things that you like out of him. So I really, really want to pick the Rams. I just think that the Cowboys are going to be in a little bit of a desperation mode. And they yep. can't let the Rams come into Dallas and win. Because then you're going to have, start having questions about, did we overrate Dak Prescott? What's going to happen with Jason Garrett? What's you know, Sean Payton doing in the offseason? Should we hire him? So the Cowboys, if they lose that game, regardless of what happens on Monday night, that could either be okay they're going to be fine or it's going to go completely the other way and you do not want that in Dallas because the distractions are going to be unbelievable
1: yeah I just think it's it's a little bit too soon for the ramps to go in and win that game mm-hmm. but I don't think it's impossible and then I agree with you with McVay look right now for me three weeks in he's the coach of the year mm-hmm. uh next up Jacksonville at the Jets normally it's oh that game's horrible well you know what The Jaguars right now are tied for first place in the AFC South. Defense is – you died on this hill early on. They look very good. Uh, The offense still at times a work in progress, although you can't argue with 44 points against a good Ravens defense. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the Jets. Look, the Jets all of a sudden – they're not good, okay? (laughs) I'm not going to try and be that guy who sells every team in the league. The Jets are not good. But they're at home in this game. They're playing with some confidence. Uh, you know, if you're a Jets player, you're looking at this game saying, "Hey, look, we can ble- we can beat Blake Bortles. We can get to two and two. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not that they can, it remains to be seen." The Jaguars are favored by three and a half on the road. Um, interesting game in a, in a low key way. Uh, I, I'm not going to wax on about it. I think Jacksonville's defense is going to stifle the Jets. I just don't think the Jets are going to move the ball very much. Um, so I think Jacksonville is going to win this game. Uh, I will take the Jets to cover though. I, I think three and a half on the road. I think it's probably like a field goal game. So I think that half point matters. Uh, you know, but it, it, it's it's a game where Jacksonville wins to three and one. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think Jacksonville's going twelve and four or anything. But like three and one is nothing to sneeze at.
2: I'm going to take Jacksonville to win this game mainly because I died on that <laughs> with the defense in the offseason and I don't know maybe somebody's been shipping water from Duval County up to me but I'm I'm starting to I'm oh starting to God. believe and I'm starting to believe in the Jaguars uh, but even though I'm picking them I will say this let's not discount the London game that they just played the Jets they're coming you mentioned it they, they're coming into this game with a lot of confidence it's at home they think that maybe they can win this game they, they're Blake Bortles doesn't you know, incite fear in anybody, and you know that London game—they're coming. It's kind of a short week. You know, it's a Sunday to Sunday, but they're coming over from London. I don't know how that's going to affect them. Uh, maybe it's going to affect the offense more than the defense. I'm taking the Jaguars, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is a closer game than we might think because of that London factor.
1: Yeah, I think it will be a close game. But I want to lay this out too. If Jacksonville wins, gets to three and one. Here is their upcoming schedule at Pittsburgh obviously a very tough game mm-hmm. home to the rams at the colts home to the bangles home to the chargers Whoa. at the browns at the cardinals home to the colts
2: just saying <laughs> <laughs> that's uh yeah the the defense they're gonna be what carries this team it, it's clear that that's what happened you know blake Bortles, like you said the garbage time king of the nfl but the defense made sure that that whole game was garbage time Against a very bad Ravens offense, but we'll get to that when we get it to It was garbage
1: time, I was going to say, and I think garbage time is going to be the nickname I give to one of the players on the Ravens, uh, <laughs> coming, and not because he produces it. Uh, another game that, frankly, I think we thought might be better at the beginning of the season, but certainly not now, the, the Battle of Ohio. Somebody has to win it. <laughs> the Bengals at the Browns, the Bengals favored by a field goal in this game. Okay. I don't know what to say anymore about Cincinnati, other than you know not, we well, we pride ourselves on being smart on this show, not having overreactive takes, not having you know that hot take syndrome that seems to be so prevalent. But I, I don't know at what juncture if, the, if if the Bengals continue to play poorly, if they don't fire Marvin Lewis at the end of this year, it ain't ever going to happen. They might as well sign him to a forty year deal. He's a lame duck coach right now. He doesn't have a contract into next year. The Bengals are zero and three. And they've lost to the Ravens at home. They lost to the Texans at home on a Thursday night. And they lost to Green Bay on the road, which is no, no, you know, shame there. Except for the fact they're up twenty-one to seven, and mm-hmm. all they needed to do was stop Green Bay once late in the game or score on their first possession in overtime. They couldn't do either. Uh, I'm still, though. I got to say, I'm, I'm still taking the Bengals in this game simply because, and, and we'll get to it here in, in a second. The, the Browns. We, we both had them beating the Colts, and mm-hmm. that, that, that did not pan out.
2: That was disappointing. It was highly disappointing to see the Colts or the, the Browns come out against the Colts like that and just lay a dud. I really thought that was going to be the game where they turn the corner and they kind of start putting together actual wins instead of moral victories, and uh, it didn't happen. So I, I really want to pick the Browns to win this game, though, just because I do think that the Bengals, they just don't, I don't, I don't know what's going on with the Bengals. I really don't like Marvin Lewis like you said lame dunk head coach I honestly see a situation where this season doesn't go the way it's planned and they give him one more year to figure it out and maybe then they get trapped in this cycle just because at this point I haven't really looked into it I don't know what kind of attractive head coaching hires will be out there but there's nobody that really sticks out at you that's like yeah that guy to be really good they're stuck with Andy Dalton they're kind of stuck with this defense I think that maybe they ride that out one more year but as far as Sunday's concerned if the Browns don't win this game, I'm gonna have a very hard time seeing where they get that win moving forward, especially the way that they played against the Colts and just it's at home, it's against the divisional opponent, it's gets an in state opponent. It's not like this team is any different than what they've seen in the last ten years, you know. So I'm picking the Browns to win, but I think it might be the last week I pick the Browns to win if they don't, you know, do right by me and and not screw it up.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, give me the Bengals and this. I think the Browns look get their win next week against the Jets at home. But, you know, that that along with at home against Jacksonville and a Christmas Eve game at Chicago, mm. Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, I, I think, it, you know, those are probably the only games they can win. My problem was, we, you know, we've actually talked pretty well about the Browns and said, you know, this is mm-hmm. a team not going to win a ton of games this year, but they're making strides. They're going in the right direction. Give them credit. I'm done with that. I'm done with it. You, you can't, you can't constantly talk about how it's a process and we're getting there and we're taking the next step. You got to win a damn football game. Mm-hmm. In that Colts game, you'll get the records, or you'll at the score and say thirty-one twenty-eight. They got blown out of that game. They were out of that game. They got twenty-eight points in the first half. They were hideous. Jacoby Brissett was going up and down the field like he was Joe Montana. Mm-hmm. At some point, if you're the Browns and you're huge action, you got to win. Yep. I mean, this is the NFL. This isn't high school football. This isn't where they're going to give you five years to turn around. He is 1-18 in 18 as a head coach with the Browns. Now, and I'm not saying it's all his fault that the personnel is not great. We understand that. It's been a process in Cleveland for 20 years, okay? But at some point here, you've got to stand up and be counted as a football team and win some games, and the Browns just can't do it. They can't win games. They can't put teams away. If it's one phase one week, it's another phase the next week. And so, for me, the other problem, too, and I, and I was a proponent of the pick, and I still think this kid can be a really good player, but Deshaun kaiser has got to stop throwing interceptions. Yeah. Seven interceptions. He's leading the league. It's enough. You're not good enough to turn the ball over two, two three times a game and beat anybody. The Browns will not win a game this year. When they when they lose the turnover ratio, or the turnover battle, I should say, they, they have no chance. So enough enough with the Browns. Enough. They're going to have a top five pick this year because they, can't, they cannot figure out how to beat anybody. And you know it takes a while to learn how to win in this league. That's understandable. But you got to you got to show me something. You've got to do something. They went out in this off season and they signed Kevin Zeitler, a huge mm-hmm. deal. They signed J.C. Treader They signed Kenny Britt. Kenny Britt, by the way, okay. Kenny Britt for the year has five catches for 69 yards. Mm. Kenny Britt might as well be in witness protection. (laughs) Are you kidding me? And then you you talk about, hey, they drafted Corey Coleman. He's going to be a big time guy. He has six catches for 62 yards. David Njoku, first round tight end pick. Now, he's a rookie, give him time, be fair. He does have two touchdowns, seven catches for 59 yards. Who are you beating like that? Who are you beating? Nobody. So I'll get off my, my soapbox about the Browns now. But, it, it, you know, you could apply that, by the way, to multiple teams in the NFL. The mm. Browns just happen to yeah. be the one this week that gets it for their putrid effort in Indianapolis.
2: And I really, really want to like the Browns, too. And it's it's, it's not because I'm a Minnesota sports fan. You feel bad for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Minnesota sports fan. So I'm used to, to my teams consistently letting me down and, and getting up hope. But, you know, with the Twins and the Timberwolves and the Wild, there's at least hope. That then gets squashed. With the Browns, I don't know what there is. I feel, you know, it's almost the opposite of what we just said about the Bengals and maybe they're going to ride out Marvin Lewis year by year because they just are too loyal to him. I feel the opposite is true in, Baltimore, uh, in the Browns with Cleveland. I think that the front office panics. I think they get rid of Hugh Jackson in the off season and you just restart this cycle of going through head coaches after head coach and coordinator after coordinator and Kaiser's not going <laughs> to. Aw, you didn't have to go so all well out for my birthday. Yes, we did. Because birthdays are about showing your friends how much you care for them and how grateful you are for them. This is Jamie from Progressive. No, this is a great time. Progressive protects you 24-7. seven. Mhm. Oh, I'm sorry that happened. <clears throat> Jamie. Can you hold on one second? Uh, I got to take this call. But remember, birthdays are about togetherness. Contact
0: us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates covered subject to policy terms.
2: To learn a uh, consistent system, and the defense just isn't going to go anywhere. This is just the cycle that the Browns have. Like, I'm looking through the, a list of head coaches that they could hire, and, you know, instantly, Josh McDaniels. Oh, yeah, that's great. We can get Josh McDaniels, a quarterback guru to, to, to coach Deshaun Kaiser consistency is what the browns need and right now the only consistent thing has been losing and i don't at this point know how that changes i just don't know
1: i i don't know either but i'm taking the Bengals to win this game i just think the Bengals are a much more talented team Mm -hmm. and i think they find a way to get the job done uh buffalo this week two and one buffalo as you point out leading the afc east as as great chris berman would say nobody circles the wagon like the (laughs) buffalo bills uh, Bills, though, are eight-point underdogs at Atlanta. This is a tough spot for the Bills. Uh, young secondary is going to get tested. Tredavious White has been a really good player for them, first-round pick uh, out of LSU. Nice-looking corner. Uh, they go against the Falcons team that is one of two undefeateds in the league. Uh, I really like what the Bills have done. They, they, they beat the Jets. They give them credit on Sunday. They, they soundly beat Denver. Yes. They, they outplayed the Broncos in that game forced a couple of Trevor Simeon interceptions. I just – this is a very, very tough spot. Uh, Atlanta is arguably the best team in football, and the Bills don't have offensive firepower outside of LaShawn McCoy. Uh, you know, and the, the Falcons – give them credit. I think a lot of people, including myself, are worried about a Super Bowl hangover. Mm-hmm. It's not been the case. Uh, now, they've played two games that were really close. They could have lost. It could easily be one and two right now, but they're not. Um, and, and so – they get a game at home against the Bills team that is two and 2-1, that is, is feeling confidence, played very good defensively, uh, yet to give up 20 points in the game. But I think that streak probably ends here in uh, the new Mercedes-Benz stadium.
2: Yeah, I hope yeah, Mercedes-Benz with the uh, Monopoly on NFC South stadiums. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I have Atlanta winning this game, too. I, last week, said that the Bills, I thought they weren't going to beat the Broncos. I thought it was going to be kind of a a rallying cry. We played them close. We brought these Super Bowl contenders into our house and played them close. But instead, they brought them to the house and beat them. If this game was in Buffalo, I would maybe be taking the Bills. It's not. It's in Atlanta. The Falcons, they move like grease on that turf. That that offense is high-powered. Uh, like you said, I agree with you. I think this is the first game that, of the season that they give up more than 20 points. Atlanta is just too good at this point. To I, I, I don't see you, – you said it last week. You said it again here. M- probably the most complete roster in all of football. And I have yet to see anything, even despite the close games that they should have lost but they didn't, I have yet to see anything that deters me from thinking that they are the team to beat in the NFC.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think they win the game. I will pick the Bills to cover uh, mm-hmm. because I think the Bills defensively are good enough to keep it reasonably close. And I think the Bills can you know, maybe score 20 points or so. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it'll be a better touchdown. And so I'll, I'll take Buffalo to cover. But yeah, I think Atlanta wins. I, I think Atlanta's going to win this game unless unless really some freaky things happen. Uh, but that's not to slight the Bills. Really, yeah. uh, everybody said, oh, they're going to tank. And, and we were right there with those people. But hey, Give the Bills credit so far. Playing tough. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we we'll circle back a little bit here. We get back to the Texans. They host the, the Titans. The Titans are actually a one point favorite on the road in this game. Titans, of course, coming off uh, an, an impressive win, really, over the Seahawks, 33 to 27. Ran for 194 yards in the game, 5.6 yards a pop. Uh, DeMarco Murray looking very good. Uh, Derrick Henry, of course, uh, his sidekick there. And Marcus Mariota really hasn't busted out yet. He hasn't really had that big, incredible game. I think a mm-hmm. lot of people thought he'd be a superstar this year. So far, he's just been a pretty average quarterback. But Titans getting the job done, sitting at 2-1, uh, two-game win streak. And then, of course, Houston already talked about it. But uh, an encouraging but a tough loss against the Pats. And so they come home. And for what I feel, I don't want to say he's a must-win, but I feel like it's a very important game for
0: the Texans.
2: Yeah, because that AFC South is so airtight it seems with the Jaguars being good the Colts are an afterthought but who knows what can happen to them really to me this is a division that at this point in the season I'm looking at the Titans and I'm looking at the Jaguars to duke it out to see who's going to win and the Texans are almost you know, an afterthought there. They're kind of, you know, oh, yeah, they're nice. They got JJ Watt and a good defense, but what else do they have? And I think that this, if they can beat the Titans here, that's going to be something that maybe forces people to take them a little bit more seriously. You know, they'll, it'll, they'll get to 2 and 2, they'll drop the Titans to 2 and 2, and that makes it an even more uh, even playing field in the AFC South. <clears throat> the thing about the Texans, though, is Bill O'Brien. And it's not a question of if it's a question of how he will screw up a win and lose it for them we saw it in new england and we saw it with the decision to start tom savage over deshaun watson which was clearly the wrong decision i just we talk about head coaches that you know maybe should be considering what they're going to be doing next year i think bill o'brien might be one of those guys especially if watson continues to look as good as he does and the team seems to lose because of decisions that o'brien makes i think tennessee's the better team I think they go into Houston to get a really big divisional win, and I think this is. Deshaun, I think Watson has another good game, and I think it's the same thing, different week. Watson played good. What is Bill O'Brien thinking? I'll tell you, the tight.
1: The, excuse me, the Texans. If they want to be a viable threat here to win this division and get back to the playoffs for the third year in a row, they better win because their next game after that's a Sunday night game against Kansas City, and then after that they do get Cleveland and a bye, and then they go to Seattle. Ooh. So. If they lose this game, they're staring at two and five. Uh, Because, frankly, I don't think they're beating the Chiefs, and Mm -hmm. I don't think they're beating Seattle. So, that being said, uh, I'm with you. I think the Titans are going to win this game for a few reasons. And you know what? Why not? I'll I'll, I'll, uh, piggyback off what you said. We talk about this a lot here in the office. Bill O'Brien, the guy gets more of a pass than just about any other coach in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Now, I always have this... I've had this running joke for a long time about you know Wade Phelps, when he was a head coach, he always made what I call the Wade face. Where he just you know, like something horrible had happened and he'd just stare into the <laughs> abyss and like North Turner had that face.
2: Jimmy Cal- Smith had it. Yeah, yeah. like
1: Jim Caldwell kinda of has that thing. Like we're just like staring, they're not quite sure. Marvin Lewis kinda of has that sometimes. <laughs> you know, there's just that it's almost like a vacant, like they're not quite sure if the game started yet or what's happening, but you know, in Bill O'Brien's case his stare is kind of like an angry, confused, like <laughs> not not a hundred percent confident in, in what's going on, but he's irate about it. Uh, I think I think O'Brien cost them the game yeah. against New England, and you know we talked about it before th- to kick the field goal there. Oh God! It's such an asinine losing mentality decision. And then you mentioned it. They're at midfield with a timeout, and he's waiting for his rookie quarterback to call it. Get on the field and call the timeout. What are you doing? It's, when I watched him on Hard Knocks, I lost all faith that he was ever going to be a good head coach because all he does is scream at people to do it better. Or at least it's all he did on that show with the, from what we saw. To be fair to O'Brien, he's never had good quarterback play, and he has gotten the Texans to a couple of playoffs, a uh, playoff run. So I give him credit for that. That being said, that team has a very good defense. Mm-hmm. It's got DeAndre Hopkins, it's got Lamar Miller, and he can never figure out how to make them any kind of viable. And like you said, to have Tom Savage as your starting quarterback on into this year and then yank him after a half tells me that you really have no confidence in any decision you make. So I take the Titans only because I think the rosters are fairly even, but I think the Titans is just a better put-together football team, mm-hmm. and I think they're playing well. Uh, I expect Mariota to go and win the game. Kevin Johnson's out for the, the Texans. He's a young corner, good player. That hurts. So, yeah, give me give me the Titans. I think they get to the 3-1. and I think the Texans really fall into a rough spot at 1-3 and three if, they, if they lose this game.
2: Yeah, and Bill O'Brien's this guy that everybody waxes poetic about how he's his quarterback guru because he coached Tom Brady. And what has he done? If you're a quarterback guru, you make Tom Savage work. That's what quarterback gurus do. And he's not. He yanked him after half and put in Deshaun, Geis- or, uh, Deshaun Watson, who seems to be playing well through no real coaching of Bill O'Brien. It's not like Bill O'Brien coached him up all offseason and really gave him some tough love, which I think, not calling the timeout either, it was Bill O'Brien being an idiot not knowing what was going on.
1: I think that's exactly what it was. I don't even think you have to give the other option.
2: Well, or it, yeah, I think it also could be that he was just, you know, tough love. You know, you need to call the timeout because you're the quarterback. You should know what's going on. And, again, I default back to, you know, you're the head coach. Get your quarterbacks back in that situation. And after you've already beaten the Patriots on the road, go, hey, next time call that timeout so I don't have to instead of losing the game. And what does that teach him? Yeah, that,
1: Yeah, he talked about it on Monday in his press saying he addressed it after the game. Well, that's nice. You should have addressed the referee during the game when there was 15 <laughs> seconds on the clock and you were wasting your time out. Okay, we digress. We move on. We both picked the Titans to win that game, get the 3-1. and one. Staying in the, well, actually, an air conference matchup, uh, the Panthers are visiting the Patriots and the Patriots are, are favored by 8.5 points in the game. Uh, I think it's a tale of two teams right now here, really going in opposite directions. New Mm -hmm. England has won two in a row. Of course, almost lost to Houston, as we've mentioned here at nauseam. Um, But the the Pats, 2-1, and really kind of still waiting for that first game where they look really good. I know they beat the Saints up pretty good in the Superdome, but the Saints' defense doesn't exactly offer a ton of resistance. The Panthers' defense... Uh, was great the first two weeks, gave up a field goal in each game, then gave up 34 points to Drew Brees and company. So what exactly are they? Uh, we know the Pats can score. They haven't been able to play any defense all year long. But the Panthers can't play any offense. So something's <laughs> got to give in this game. It, Cam Newton threw three picks and then 169 yards against the Saints at home in what was an abysmal defeat. So now you wonder, okay – The Panthers are 2-1. They barely beat the Bills. They beat the Niners. They lost to the Saints. Who are they? I think we know who the Pats are, even if they're not quite there yet.
2: I'm taking the Patriots to win this game because usually with teams, and when we get to the Vikings, I'm going to mention this too, you have a team that you're not really sure. They haven't really figured everything out yet, and they swing back and forth. So they win one week and then they lose the next week, and they get really angry and pissed off that they lost, and then they go out and they just hammer that team the next week. The only time that the Patriots have really lost this year, or the only time that they have lost, is to the Chiefs. And then they came out you know, angry, hungry the next week, and roasted the Saints. I would say that the game against the Texans qualifies as a moral loss, so they're going to come out this next week at home against the Panthers and just wax them. They're going to wax the walls with the Panthers. They, like you said, they can't play offense. Maybe this is the week the defense starts to get a little bit of confidence because they have Cam Newton come in and they hold them down and they don't give up a bunch of points. Maybe they give up a bunch of yards, but they're going to win. And the Patriots are just that team where it's the rich getting richer, where they have the luxury of winning last week against the Texans Having it qualify in their minds as a loss and then coming out the next week and just roasting the Panthers, who I think are not going to be ready to play in New England, regardless of how the Texans came up with the rookie quarterback and almost won, different teams, different story, the Patriots are going to win.
1: I'm taking the Pats,
2: and really more so
1: because I just think Cam Newton looks awful. Mm -hmm. And by the way, nobody talks about it. Cam Newton has been atrocious since the Super Bowl uh, two years ago. Yeah, He completed 52.9% of his throws last year. He was terrible. And this year, Cam Newton not exactly lighting the world on fire. Okay, he had three picks last week. He's got four on the season. Right now, he's twenty-fourth in the league in yardage with five hundred and sixty six. He's been sacked ten times. He can't block anybody. He's only got two touchdown passes. I, I just I have no faith in that that team offensively. And if you're gonna beat New England as Kansas City should, like you're gonna have to score some points. You're not gonna beat New England twenty to seventeen. I think Carolina's defense is good. I think they had a, a rough game against the Saints, but I do believe that they'll they'll bounce back to some degree. But they don't have any great corners. They got some young guys there who are, you know, Daryl Worley, James Bradbury. Younger, up and coming type players, but that's a you don't want to be up and coming against Tom Brady. <laughs> you want to have arrived already by the time you get into that game. And I just look at the Panthers, Kelvin Benjamin. He hurt his knee last, uh, last game against the Saints. We're unsure at this point if, you know, he really injured, if it was just a little bit of a bruise. Uh, but they, you know they're missing Greg Olson in this game. He's out for two months. He's on IR. Uh, Christian McCaffrey is their leading receiver right now The 173 yards. They've run the ball for 3.7 yards a carry as a team. I, I just – I can't picture Carolina winning this game – in New England. So I'm going to take the Pats. And I'm even going to take the Pats to cover the eight and a half. I just don't think the Panthers can score. Mm-hmm. I don't think they can do enough against Belichick's defense. As bad as that defense has been, it's still Belichick. And with every week, he's going to figure it out a little bit more. So give me the Pats. Fairly big in this game.
2: Yeah. And one thing to consider moving forward with the Panthers and Cam Newton is I just think he's going to be habitually unhealthy. He's, I don't think he's back. From they can't the, block anybody. Yeah. I don't think he's back from, this, from the offseason surgery. And then <clears throat> every, not only is he not back from that, he just gets hit consistently. Like you go back to a year ago or whatever, and even before that, before they made the Super Bowl, he's just taken headshot after headshot. He's just not healthy. And that, that to me, it speaks to a lot of the problems that they have. They Yeah, they have a lack of weapons, this and that. But Cam Newton, it's really hard for him to stay healthy and to be in games for them when they need him. When he just he gets hit, nobody blocks for him.
1: You know what, it's going to be interesting in Carolina because – they were one 2-0 team that I didn't believe in even after 2-0. I just feel like that offense just mm. has so many issues. And now we get to another team.
2: that. Jamie's Log, Progressive. The Harrington's Backyard, day 11, 4.43 a.m. The tent I set up in the Harrington's Backyard to prove Progressive as 24-7 protection has a rip in it. But a little rain won't stop me. Mrs. Harrington said she totally understands 24-7 protection means 24-7. Going to stay a few more days to make sure. It's hailing now. That's fun.
0: Progressive doesn't just offer a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, just not literally from Jamie. Coverage from Progressive, casualty insurance company affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.
1: Which 2-0 oh, that I feel also uh, is kind of a fraud, to be very blunt, and a team that I, I think offensively has all kinds of problems, that's the Baltimore Ravens. Okay, they got 10 turnovers in their first two games against the Bengals and the Browns, who are a combined 0-6 right now. They win those games. Then they go to London and play a Jaguars team that, I, frankly, I think most of us expected them to handle. Although my colleague here, Josh Hill, picked the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. because right. Uh, Baltimore got beat. Uh, beat's not even the right adjective, but it's the best one we can use on a family-friendly program. <laughs> uh, 44-7 to in Wembley. Uh, and Joe Flacco was 8 of 18 for 28 yards. And that wasn't for the quarter. That was for the game. You know it's bad when you don't have as many passing yards as the other team has points. Uh, and there goes my – here, here I should say here comes my garbage time statement. Joe Flacco is garbage time. <laughs> and uh, not as in like, oh, he plays long garbage time. No, like here comes garbage time. It's Joe Flacco. <laughs> he is so bad. If if they could bench him, they would. The problem is they have Ryan Malik behind him who can't wake up on time. So – they have, if not the worst quarterback situation in football. You factor in the contract situation with Flacco, it's right up there.
2: Yeah, you said that you didn't want to say anything that wasn't family-friendly, but that game was not family-friendly. Yeah, thank God the kids were still in bed.
1: Thank <laughs> God it wasn't on
2: television.
1: They <laughs> yeah. streaming on Yeah,
2: yeah they, they didn't even put that thing on TV. Wow, yeah, that was that was brutal for the Ravens. And yeah, I said it last week, I think that they're a joke. I don't think that they have anything... That supports the 2-0 start that they had, other than they played a couple of bad teams that they happen to be better than. You know, even if, you know, I don't think that the Ravens are the worst team in football. So, they're your default couple of wins right there when you have a soft start against the Bengals and the Browns. I think they went up against an actual NFL defense. I think that Joe Flacco's flaws are being highlighted each week we get into the season, and, I don't think that this is the season that John Harbaugh is starting to hear about his job security, but it, the questions are going to start. And we, we, we talked about it yesterday when we were watching the games, but Joe Flacco, I don't know the exact number right now, but it was something like they, his his dead cap, the dead cap that if they were to cut him next year is something like $26.5 million, which is more than they're paying him. They're in bed with Joe Flacco until at least 2020. That's their first reasonable out, and the dead cap is like $8.5 million, I think. So... Have fun with the garbage time now, garbage time for a long time, and garbage time is expensive.
1: By the way, it's my favorite contract in the <laughs> NFL because it's so ridiculous. Most contracts in the league, look, let's say a guy gets signed for five years and $60 bucks. Those contracts are usually really like three mm-hmm. years, and then the guaranteed money is like $40 million, and after three years you can cut a guy. The Ravens restructured Flacco's contract. Uh, I believe it was in 2016. In 2016, his cap hit was $22.55 million, which, okay, for a quarterback at that, you know, if he's a good player, fine. His dead cap that year, had they have, for whatever reason, cut him, was $69.85 million. <laughs> but don't worry... Because this year, if, if you're a Ravens fan, you're screaming, cut him, why don't they just cut him? He's terrible. He's got a $24.5 million cap hit. Well, the reason is because he has a 53.3 oh. dead cap hit. Ouch. Next year, it goes to 28.75, which is $4 more, four million more than they're paying him, as you alluded to. Mm-hmm. In 2019, they could cut him and save $10.5 million. So it is possible. But they'd pay $16 million in dead money. That is, if Ozzie Newsom, if there's ever a reason to fire somebody, that contract, <laughs> is right at the top. And that contract's a big reason why they don't have Glutti Assembly anymore. Yeah. Okay? And they don't have Kyle Juszczyk. Mm-hmm. And they've lost so much young talent. You could say, you know, Torrey Smith is another guy they've lost. Uh, I, I feel like I'm blanking on a few other guys. They've lost so many. Like the Zach War, of course, is retiring for medical reasons. But they have lost so many good young players. Ricky Wagner, right tackle. Because they can't afford anybody. And a lot of it is due to this ridiculous contract they signed Joe Flacco through. And Joe Flacco right now, just for a little bit of a, an idea of how bad he's been this year. He's played in all three games, started all three games, played throughout. He's got three touchdowns and four picks. You think that's bad? He's averaging 5.3 yards in attempt, which is borderline impossible. He's thrown for 366 yards in three games. Oh, The man is not on pace for 2,000 passing yards. And then you look at, okay, what are the receivers doing? Mike Wallace has three catches for 21 yards. For the year. For the year. Rashad Paraman has one catch for five yards. There are offensive linemen who have caught a catch for more than five yards or caught a pass for more than five yards. It is incredible how inept they are offensively. And with all that said, they play the Steelers at home this week. They're getting two and a half points. They are a, a two and a half point underdog at home. I think they might win the game. As much as they are horrendous <laughs> offensively, these two teams always play each other tough. The Ravens always beat them when they come to Baltimore. Don't forget a couple of years ago, they beat them with Ryan Mallett in mm. December. Yeah. Like everything in the world says Pittsburgh ought to win this game. Jacksonville humiliated Baltimore. If there's ever a week you're going to get Baltimore's best effort, it's going to be this game. Mm-hmm. It's the Steelers. It's first place on the line. He's just lost by 37 to play. Bortles, Joe Flacco just threw for 28 yards. Like if there's ever a game that the Ravens are going to come out and win, it's this game. I don't know who I'm picking yet. <laughs> so go
2: ahead. James. I was going to say. Does that mean that we're going with the uh, Ravens here? I don't know. I don't know what to do. I do agree with you, though, that you know everything suggests that the Steelers should win this game, just like last week. How everything suggested the Steelers should go into Soldier Field and handle Mike Glennon and the Bears, and they didn't. So I'm going to go with the Steelers because I think you know they got their one bad trap game out of the year uh, of the year out of the way. But you know, Joe, you talk about Joe Flacco and how bad he is. That you know, everybody wants to win a Super Bowl. Everybody wants their team to go there. The price that the Ravens are still paying for that Super Bowl. Think about it that way. They're, still, they're paying off that Super Bowl win because they're still paying Joe Flacco. And, you know, slightly related to the Ravens, but another awful stat that's related to the Ravens. But it's back to Marvin Lewis. Uh, I remember I, was look, I looked up some stat. It was like the last playoff game that Marvin Lewis won was January 28, 2001, which was the Super Bowl. He hasn't, won, he hasn't won a game since that Super Bowl. So then tying it back into this Ravens Super Defensive Bowl. Defensive coordinator
1: here. on that thing. Yeah. yeah.
2: So yeah, so, the, so tying it back into this Ravens Super Bowl here, it seems like there's that curse. Marvin Lewis can't win after he wins that Super Bowl. Joe Flacco wins that Super Bowl, and the Ravens are basically in debt for the next 60 years trying to pay off his contract. Uh, I agree with you. I think that they're going to give him their best, but I'm still taking the, uh, the Steelers.
1: I'm going to take the
0: Ravens. Oh. Because this is
2: this is the kind
1: of game. uh, Listen, I think the Steelers are a much better team than the Ravens. Mm -hmm. But I've watched the NFL for 25 years. And if the NFL's taught me anything, it's it's a lot sometimes about circumstance more than it is anything else. Mm -hmm. Now, if the Steelers had beaten the Bears, I feel even more confident picking this game because the Steelers are gonna be pissed after losing to the Bears. But this is just the kind of game where everybody's jumping off the bandwagon with the Ravens, and rightfully so. And Joe Flacco is going to go out, good old garbage time Joe, and he's gonna he's gonna sling it for like one quarter, and it's going to be good enough for two hundred yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I I'll be honest. Part of it's a gut instinct, and part of it is just I just feel like the Ravens know them, they play them well. I think defensively they're going to play well. I think the defense was embarrassed, I do think the Ravens have a good defense. And I just think it's it's that that. Spot for Pittsburgh where they they don't play well on the road to begin with, mm-hmm. and the Ravens are as desperate as it gets after that humiliation in England. And I also, with that being said, I reserve my right to choose to change this pick about fifty eight times this week. <laughs> but right now. I'm going to take the Ravens in what is a slight upset, and then I look forward to everybody screaming that the Steelers are done right before they go 12-4. Yeah,
2: I, I can see that happening too, but you know, I, I, I just can't in good conscience take the Ravens at this point. It's got to be the Steelers.
1: Well, one of the teams the Steelers beat this year was Minnesota, and Minnesota coming off of an impressive win, unfortunately for you, over your box. Mm-hmm. Minnesota's hosting Detroit last 1 o'clock game here that, that we have on the slate. There's no line for this game because we're not sure if Sam Bradford's going to start. Uh, frankly, I don't expect him to. Um, Case Keenum, he played great last week, 369 yards and three touchdowns. They play a Lions team, who I think even though the Lions lost to the Falcons, showed that their game, although it has to be said, the Falcons are you know good team. They threw three picks in that game, one of which was a pick six, and the Lions still lost at yeah. home. Yeah. And there's got to be something to the idea that the Lions are just this team. that like They're good but they can't get over the hump. They just never mm-hmm. beat good to really good opponents. That all said, this game fascinates me. I think it's a really good game. Uh, and I, I think it's going to come down right to the end. Detroit is a good team. Minnesota is a good team. If, if Keenum plays, uh, can he repeat what he did last week?
2: No. I don't think he can. Um, one of the factors that Case Keenum had going for him is that he's seen the Buccaneers three consecutive years. So... I I forgot that when I was making my predictions and I forgot that in my hubris of hearing that Sam Bradford was not going to play and Case Keenum was coming out. So, I'm eating my you know, I'm eating it there. But the Lions that was a really disappointing loss. I hate I hate it when fans play the blame the ref card. I really think that's a soft loss to the Falcons. They played them really hard and we almost saw and probably maybe should have seen Another Matthew Stafford comeback in the fourth quarter on the last drive of the game. Now the difference here is that they're going into Minnesota, where the Vikings have not played a bad offensive game yet this year. Granted, this is only the third game that they have played at US Bank Stadium this year, but they whacked the Saints, they torched the Bucks. That offense, you know, Sam Bradford the first time, uh, Case Keenan the second time, you know, they could throw out Brad Johnson the third time, and maybe they're going to put up forty-four wants, points. Uh man won me a super bowl in tampa so i got good memories of brad johnson but you
1: and you and about 80 other people in tampa (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: i think that the lions are going to come out and win this game just kind of the same logic that you used for the ravens coming out and playing angry after getting blown out i think that they're really mad about how that game ended against atlanta and you know if it breaks another way they're 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 looking at possibly a four and oh start here I think that they go 3-1. and one. I think that that's a little bit not as good, but it's better than what it could have been. But the Lions, they go into Minnesota and, more importantly, get a divisional win, which I think in the long run is more important than, oh, we're coming off of this game. We should have won. It's here's the Vikings. They're a team that are vying for a spot that we want. We need to get the win. I think that Detroit gets it.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Lions as well, uh, mostly just because of the uncertainty of quarterback for the Vikings. And I, I like the way Matt Stafford's been playing. I think that the Lions will find a way to get that road win. Moving to the four o'clock games, Philadelphia is on the road, two and one Eagles against the o and three Los Angeles Chargers. Mm. The Chargers are favored by a point in this game, which makes me ask the question: What the hell have the Chargers done in the last three years to <laughs> make them a favorite in this game? I I just don't look. I'm you know I went off about the Browns earlier and how at some point you just have to win games. Mm-hmm. The Chargers are the poster child for that statement. They are 9-26 and 26 in their last 35 games. Win a football game. Everybody picks them every year to win the AFC West. They're a sleeper team. Now, look, I talked about them in the podcast for the year saying I thought they were. I thought they could potentially be a 9-win team, make the playoffs. You know, nope. hey, listen, I bought into that. I typically don't. I, I took the bait on this one. Uh, I am more than happy to jump ship here. I, I never thought they'd win the division, but I thought they could compete for a wild card. Mm-hmm. They're not doing anything because when you look at them, everybody falls in that trap of they have star power. They have Bosa, they have Ingram, they have Rivers, they have Gates, they have Hunter Henry who's a good young player, they have Keenan Allen, you know, all, on and on and on. The problem is, is the guys behind those stars are terrible. Their roster from 11 to 30 is as bad as anybody in football. They have so many guys who don't belong on the field. And against the Chiefs, Rivers goes out and throws three picks in the first half. But the Chargers hang in the game, hang in the game, hang in the game, to their credit, but they can't do anything. The Chiefs are busy taking a dozen penalties, basically giving the game to the Chargers, but of course the Chargers didn't want to take the game, and then Kareem Hunt goes and rips off a 69-yard <laughs> run to end it and finally puts me out of, out of danger of having an embolism during that game. But I'm taking Philadelphia to win this game. I don't understand in what universe the Chargers are favored They can't win a game. They lost to Miami, who got pounded by the Jets. They lost to a Chiefs team that took a dozen penalties. It's playing without Eric Berry. They got blown out by them. They lost in Denver in a game that, yes, it ultimately came down to a field goal, which everybody loves to point out when they talk about how star-crossed the Chargers are. The Chargers are down 24-7 with eight minutes to go in that game, and Trevor Simeon looked like Unitas. At some point, you have to just say, yeah, you know what? They got a couple of stars. They're not a good team giving the eagles to go in there and sack rivers about a half dozen times
2: in this game i really don't know how to top that, that was very well said <laughs> but i i too am taking the eagles i just don't see anything out of the charges that make me it makes me convinced that they're going to do anything like it's the same thing kind of like with the browns with some of these other teams except with a little less hope these victories where it's like yeah maybe they should have won they didn't they're 0-3 it's going to be 0-4 the benefit here is that anthony lynn's a first year head coach so maybe they have that to fall back on but the eagles
0: How do you make a radio ad for an 8K TV that conveys the feeling of
2: 33 million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K, unreasonably good. They're gonna go in, they're gonna win this game, and really there's nothing else to say about that.
1: I'll point to one sequence in the the game on Sunday against Kansas City that, to me, tells me all I need to know about the charge. Kansas City got a 14-0 in the game, they lead leading 17 10 at halftime. That score remained through most of the second half. I believe it was early in the fourth quarter. If not, it was very late in the third. The Chiefs had the ball at their about their own their own 40 yard line, maybe 36, 37. Andy Reid, for reasons I'll never understand, fakes a punt and the Chiefs do not convert on it. The Chargers have the ball at about the thirty six yard line. And don't move the ball one foot. <laughs> and then take a delay a game on fourth down and punt the ball through the end zone. If, if, that, if there's ever a sequence, that you need, like, there's an opportunity. You're playing a good team. You're at home, which I know is no home field advantage for them. But you're at home. You've got a great opportunity to go out and win the game. And you go three and out. You don't get one foot and have to punt the ball. They didn't even kick a field goal. They didn't even try to kick the field goal because they had no confidence in Ku, who was, I understand you have no confidence in him, but didn't cut him. Because if you're not going to put him out there to kick that field goal in that spot, then what, mm-hmm. the, what the hell is he doing on your roster? It's pointless. So the Chargers, to me, yeah, I think they're going to go all in four. And on top of that, by the way, their schedule coming up home to the Eagles, Oof. at the Giants, at the Raiders, home to Denver, at New England, Oof. and then a bye week. Good night. <laughs> okay. So that, that's all we need to say about the Chargers.
2: Uh, who actually? You know, I'll say this: Philip Rivers, he a Hall of Famer? Uh, I think so, but I think it's one of those because you know I, they're going to get down to the, the is he a Hall of Famer discussion. It's like he is. If you would have had better teams, he would have won a Super Bowl. This is same like the Dan Fouts thing, the Dan Marino thing. He's a good quarterback. I think he throws far too many interceptions. And we were talking about it yesterday. He might have the ugliest throwing motion in football. But I I would make the case for Philip Rivers to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would too. I would too. Yeah, but I just uh, – just, I always think about that. I think to myself, you know, I always, he's one player in the league I feel bad for. Now, I, granted, he was terrible on Sunday. He's one of the reasons they lost. But he is just surrounded by just dysfunctional coaching, bad teams. He did have good teams early in his career, and they couldn't win because North Turner was the head coach. So, they can thank A.J. Smith for firing Marty Schottenheimer. after we went 14-2. But anyway, we digress your Buccaneers favorite Oof. at home against the Giants three and a half points Giants coming off of a game that they lost on a 61 yard field goal as time expired your Bucs coming off a game where Jameis Winston went for the old hat trick and not in a good way uh, lost 34-17 in Minnesota I'll let you have the floor as I always do with the Buccaneers 1-1 Tampa 0-3 Giants what do you have to say?
2: This game scares the daylights out of me because the Buccaneers, they, ca- they come out and have a great first game against the Bears, and they wax them, as they should, because the Bears are terrible. And then they go against Minnesota, who, you know, a good playoff contending team would be a nice victory to get on the road, and they got shelled. I mean, it wasn't even close. And I said before the game, Jameis Winston, this is the game where he throws three interceptions. One of them's going to be really bad in the red zone. Sure enough, that was the third interception that he threw to Mike Evans that ended up killing any chance that they could have to come back in the game. My fear here is that the Giants, as bad as they are, and as much as I think questions about Ben McAdoo's job need to be start, you know, need to be asked starting now, they're going to win a game at some point, and they're going to win a game against a team that is pretty decent, and I'm afraid that that might be the Buccaneers because of the way that the secondary. Decided to make Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen look like Chris Carter and Randy Moss. I mean, they made Case Keenum look like he was Joe Montana back there, and that's concerning to me because Eli Manning is a good quarterback, and Odell Beckham is a great wide receiver. And then you have you know a good tight end out there. You've got Brandon Marshall going to show up at some point. You know Sterling Shepard. Maybe the run game picks up here. There's just there's lots of questions that I have about this Buccaneers defense, specifically the secondary, which was a weakness coming into the year. It was a weakness last year. It cost them a lot of games. It helps offenses open up the field a lot more than they probably should. I mean it helps Case Keenum turn Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen into two of the best receivers of the week. So the Buccaneers secondary concerns me. Brent Grimes was out. That hurt. Chris Baker was out up front too. And I think that, that can't be discounted as far as how well Dalvin Cook ran against that front. Uh Jared McCoy. Gerald McCoy got hurt, but he can only do so much on his own. This game scares me because the Giants at some point are going to win a game. I thought it was going to be uh, on Sunday against the Eagles because they woke up. It took them two and a half weeks to wake up, but something clicked, and they were just scoring, and the offense looked good. Eli Manning was thrown to the right team for once. Odell Beckham was catching balls when he, he was supposed to be doing it. So the Buccaneers secondary scares me. Odell Beckham is always a wild card. I'm going to take the Buccaneers to win. It's at home. So I think that they're going to have that going for them. But this is a game that concerns me greatly. And we're going to find out what this Buccaneers team is. I said it numerous times against the Vikings when they were down. It's like, all right, here's what Jameis is made of. He's got to come back. He's got to bounce back and drive down the field and get a score. Didn't happen. Now we're going to see overall what team are we dealing with.
1: Yeah, I I take the Bucs as well here. I I don't think they're going to cover that. I think it's going to be a tight game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it'll be a defensive game. Because the Buccaneers, we've talked about this a lot. I think a lot of people think of them as this really big offensive team. Mm-hmm. The, the Buccaneers are more of a defensive team. Um, I will say this, though. And, and we talk – you and I have said this a million times. Oh and you yeah. know what I'm going to say. Yep. If Jameis Winston does not stop throwing ridiculous interceptions, the Buccaneers are never going to realize the potential they have. It has to stop. It is obnoxious. It is ridiculous. I don't know what their cutters are going to do about it because you can't bench him because you've got Fitzpatrick behind him. So, you're not going to bench him. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what else you do. Because the shame of it is, he is, if not the most, you know, I, I'm not going to say he's more talented than Aaron Rodgers or somebody like that, but he has all the physical gifts you can want. He's a big guy. He's a strong kid. Mm-hmm. I think he's a leader. I think he's a winner. But at some point, this is your third year. You know, that those mistakes when you're a rookie, even early on in the second year, okay, you know, you're learning. You get confused. He throws balls at the second you see him throw it. You're like, oh, my God. It's an interception. And it, it has to stop. Mm-hmm. And they're playing a very good secondary this week. The Giants can play. The Giants have a very good defense. This is not a defense to take lightly. I am taking the Bucks to win this game. I'm doing so kind of with one eye open because I just have fear with, with what's going to happen if Winston starts chucking the ball in a double coverage against Collins and Jenkins and Rogers cromartie and so on and so forth. That being said, here's the biggest reason I'm taking the Buccaneers. The Giants... In their three games this year, if you add up their leading rusher in all three games, it's sixty-six yards. Paul Perkins led him in week one with sixteen yards. Shane Vereen led him in week two with twenty eight yards, and Darkwood Perkins led him with twenty two yards. Oh. Kareem Hunt had a run on Sunday that was longer than all of those numbers combined. They can't run, and the Buccaneers have a good defense. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I think the Bucks find a way to get the job done. I think that game against Philadelphia really put them down for the count, But if the Giants can win, they come home the following week to play the Chargers. All of a sudden, <laughs> like maybe getting back into the race a little bit before Sunday night, 4A into mile high. Uh, but I, I'll take the bucks as well. And now we'll, we'll wrap up here with a uh, couple more four o'clock games before we get to the last two in the primetime slots. Uh, Niners and Cardinals, Cardinals favored by a touchdown. Of course, again, we're recording this for a Monday Night Football, so we don't know what the Cardinals are going to do against the Cowboys. Uh, I'll keep it short and sweet with this. With all due respect to Cardinals and 49ers fans, I just don't think there's a whole lot to parse here. I think the Cardinals are better. I don't think they're good. Uh, David Johnson being out to me is a killer for them. I'll take the Cardinals to win. I'll take the Niners to cover. The 49ers have some talent, but they're not ready yet to to make that next step. I don't think this is where they get their first win. So give me the Cardinals – covering or excuse me with the Niners covering the seven
0: points
2: I'm gonna go with the Niners here I think that this is the game that they go on the road divisional opponent uh they get the win first big win uh, they almost won last week and that's saying not saying much because neither defense decided to show up for that game but yeah I think that the uh 49ers go in and get this win and this is the first nice uh notch on the belt for Kyle Shanahan and the crew
1: Kyle Shanahan's done a nice job, uh, you know, with that offense. Look, they they started out real slow the first couple of weeks, but mm. nice showing against the Rams. We'll see if he can keep that up. Uh, and and you know now, look, one of the games I'm most intrigued by, partially yes because I'm a Chiefs fan, but also I just think it's a really good game. Oakland at Denver. Denver's yeah. favored by two points. It's in the 425 window. The only 425 game actually all this week. Uh, both teams coming off upset losses. Okay, the, the Broncos to me had the worst loss of the two in terms of just expectations. You thought they would beat the Bills. They don't. They lose by ten points on the road. Mm-hmm. So they dropped to two and one. The Raiders. I think everybody feels or felt like, hey, you know, they're going in. They're playing Washington. They're going to score a bunch of points in this game. Then you find out Jordan Reed's inactive. You think it's even more of a cinch. The Redskins in that game, and we'll get to the Redskins here in a minute when we talk about their game, but wow they dismantled the Raiders on both sides of the ball I think the Raiders are a much better team than that but I I will say we talk about this the Raiders defense Mm -hmm. I think the offense will still be fine it was an aberration they didn't play well Washington played the perfect game the Raiders defense is just horrendous if Khalil Mack doesn't win them the game defensively can't do it can't do it Bruce Irvin He's, he's nowhere to be found. They can't cover anybody. Cousins threw five incompletions that entire game, went for 366 yards, I believe, and three touchdowns. So this game, to me, very interesting. Raiders offense going against a very good Broncos defense. But the key matchup for me is the other side of it. The Broncos offense against the Raiders defense. Yep. Who can take advantage of the other, other's weak areas? Whoever can do that wins the game. I find this to be maybe the best game
2: of the week. I'm, I do too, and I think I'm going to go with the Raiders winning this one. And it, to me, it comes down to coming into a game like this where you just suffered an upset loss on the road, who do you have more confidence in leading you out there as your quarterback, Derek Carr or Trevor Simeon? And as good as Trevor Simeon's been through the first couple of games of the year, he ran into a really, really bad outing on Sunday against the Bills. And I like the Bills' defense, and I don't want to dog him because Sean McDermott's doing really good things yeah, over there. Yeah, he's doing a nice job. But Trevor Simeon on Sunday was Trevor Simeon that we thought we were going to see all this year, and this is yeah. Trevor Simeon that we've seen before. My fear is maybe that he's – the first couple of uh, weeks was a little bit of a mirage of what we could see out of Trevor Simeon, and it's not the actual guy that we're going to see. Derek Carr, a lot more confidence in him. I feel like he can make up for the mistakes that the defense are going to make, and I feel like he can also get them enough run support where they are going to be able to hold on to a lead. I don't think the same can be said for Trevor Simeon. If the game's on the line and it's one last drive and it's Carr or it's Simeon, I'm going Carr, and so that's why I'm leaning with the Raiders. Derek
1: Carr has played against the Broncos. uh, I just want to double-check this. He has played against the Broncos five times in his career. Obviously, hasn't played him yet this year, and last Mm -hmm. year he didn't play famously in the last game. He had a broken leg. In those five games, Derek Carr has thrown for 200 yards or more once. Uh, last year, when he played him, he was 20 to 31 for a buck 84 with no touchdowns, no picks. Uh, I am of the opinion that Derek Carr is a good player. I don't think he's a great player. I think his offensive line is typically great. Mm. And so he, they elevate, which is fine. That, that's the way the NFL works. It's team game. But uh Amari Cooper can't stop dropping the ball. Michael crabtree I believe, led the league in drops last year. Um, I'm taking Denver to win this game. And not because I think Denver's necessarily the better team. I think they're. Fairly even teams, even though they're much different. I think you know, look, Denver is a very, very hard place to go into and win. It's just, a, you know, it's, it's going to be a raucous stadium. It's, it's, you know, the altitude plays a factor. And I think, I think Simeon, while he's not a great quarterback by any measure, I do think he's competent. And I think he's going to, I think he's going to throw the ball over the lot against the Raiders. I, they can't cover. I, I don't think they can cover Sanders. I don't think they can cover Thomas. Uh, I, I think you could see a very good game out of C.J. Anderson and Jamal Charles in this game. I just – when I look at the way the two teams are playing, I think both have obvious flaws, but I just have a real hard time looking at the Raiders and thinking, yeah, you know, they're going to play well in this game. The, the Raiders last year, went, with the division on the line, Trevor Simeon was 17-27 for 206 yards, 7.6 yards in attempt, two touchdowns and a pick. Uh, when they played each other in Oakland, Trevor Simeon was 18-37, which isn't good. But he threw for 283 yards. Again, 7.6 yards in attempt and a couple touchdowns and a pick. So he's moved the ball well against the Raiders in his career. Certainly you could go either way with this game. Like I said, I think it's the best one of the weekend. But I am going to take Denver at home. If it was in Oakland, I'd take Oakland. I think Denver gets the job done. And I'll tell you what, the Redskins got a lot of pressure on Carr Sunday night. Mm-hmm. They better yes. fix whatever the problems were against oh, yeah. Washington because if they don't, Von Miller's coming. So I, I think both teams coming off a disappointing loss on the road. Denver comes home. I think they get right. I think they win. And all of a sudden, if that happens, whoever loses his game is in trouble in this division. Oh, yeah. Because 2-2 two and two in the AFC West, there's a chance they're two games back of, of the Chiefs, and there's certainly obviously a game back of whoever, you know, uh, ends up coming out on top in this game.
2: Oh, I, I completely agree. I'm, I'm still going with the Raiders. I think they're going to figure it out. But, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's going to be probably one of the better games of the week.
1: Now to a game that's not going to be one of the better games of the week. Uh, Sunday Night Football, Indianapolis at Seattle. The biggest line of the week, Seattle Saved by 13. Uh, look, I, I don't see any way Indianapolis wins this game. Uh, but I'm going to pick them to cover.
0: because Progressive presents Forest Metaphors. About bundling your home auto and other vehicles. In hockey, it's the goalie's job to protect the net. And in life, your net is your home and auto, but also your boat, motorcycle, RV, or ATV. And your goalie is the -the round-the-clock protection offered by Progressive Insurance. Well, and also the savings you get when you bundle. So in this metaphor, you have two goalies, which is okay because, you know, it's just a metaphor. Forced Metaphors. Presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discount not available in all states or situations.
1: Seattle can't block anybody, and... Just finished giving up 33 points. I think the defense will get right this week in a big way, um, but I do think Seattle wins. The the biggest question here, with all due respect to Colts fans, I think the Colts are fairly uh, limited, shall we say, until Andrew Luck comes back. Good news is you might come back here in a few weeks. The Seahawks, everybody going into the year said, you know, they're they're probably the best team in the NFL, right along with New England. They're, they're certainly one of the best in the NFC. Well, they're one and two, and they look like a one and two team. I agree
2: with you, and I think that, to me, the Seahawks, the defense that I had for them was, oh, they figure it out in November and December, and they peak then. But they can peak then if they want to, but if you don't have enough wins to get in the playoffs, what does it matter? You can figure it out then. You need the wins now, and I think that this isn't a game that they're in any danger of losing. I don't think Jacoby Brissett goes, you know, goes into Seattle and wins this game, all due respect to the Colts and more so to Jacoby Brissett. The, the, to me, the biggest thing about this is that this is a rare bad Sunday night game. You know, you look historically, Sunday night football is usually the best game of the week, not just because they flex into it, but they have the schedule making is pretty good to them early on in the year. Maybe this looked good early on when you thought Andrew Luck was going to be playing. But this, to me, the biggest thing here is that this is probably going to be one of the rare Sunday nights that feels like an old Thursday night game where you're like, maybe I'm turning this off at halftime and seeing what else is on on Sunday night. Maybe so. you get
1: uh, you know, Paul McGuire and Joe Dyson in the booth this <laughs> oh, Give, give uh, Michaels and Collins worth a break. <laughs> yeah, this back. Is, I agree. Uh, it's going to be a rough game. And now we'll get to the final game of the week, which right along with Oakland and Denver, I believe, is maybe the most appetizing. Mm-hmm. Uh Washington at Kansas City, Monday night, Kansas City at home, favored by what is now 6.5 points, line opened at 7. Uh, I thought the line would be about 6, mm-hmm. so I, I thought it was a touch high coming out. Apparently the betters did as well. Kansas City, the only undefeated team in the AFC, of course, a, a good resume at this juncture, beat New England, beat Philly, beat the Chargers. And if you take out a garbage-time touchdown by Philadelphia – the Chiefs have won these three games by 15, 14, and 14. Mm-hmm. Even if you want to leave the garbage on touchdown in, their average score is they went 31-19. to 19. Um, I think the Redskins really showed something on Sunday night. They played mm-hmm. terrific football. They're 2-1. and one. They're right in the mix. Okay, tied with Philadelphia, perhaps with Dallas at the end of Monday night for the lead in the NFC East. Uh, I think the only thing I'll say for the Redskins is they played the perfect game. Yeah, and that is very hard to replicate twice in a row the yeah. Chiefs on the other hand I would contend to someone who obviously is very familiar with them they're 3-0 they've beaten one great team one good team and one bad team the Chiefs have not even played well Mm-mm. to this point by their standards they, they lead the league in penalties far and away and defensively they're without Eric Berry they're still kind of figuring that out a little bit and here they are 3-0 and up a game on the Raiders and the Broncos if they win against washington up two games on one of them uh but a very intriguing game in arrowhead on monday night
2: i think yeah the the, the chiefs are going to get this game uh, they're the better team Kirk cousins although i say this as somebody who watched Jameis winston go into arrowhead and beat them in a game that i thought that they were going to lose even though i was rooting for the buccaneers so i say that knowing that that's in the back of my head but i just don't see Kirk cousins going into arrowhead and winning this game I just don't because you, you look at the first couple of games of his season, they've been based kind of a tale of two different halves. So you have one game where he plays really bad. Then you got another game where he plays all right. And then last night he plays surprisingly well against a Raiders defense that we've said time and time again, it's Cleo Mack and you know, 10 other tackling dummies, the chiefs are the better team. I don't think that they lose this game. I don't think that they lose next week. I think they go into their Steelers matchup five and zero. That, would, to me, it would be the first loss that I see in, in, on the Chiefs' schedule. Maybe they lose to Oakland. I mean, it's a tough stretch there because after this, they get the Texans, and then they get the Steelers, the Raiders, the Broncos, the Cowboys, and then the Giants. So I say this about the bad teams. you got get to get your wins where you can because the schedule gets tougher. But this is a win that the Chiefs can get even if they were a bad team. So I have the Chiefs. They look too good. The defense – Wow! Watch out, Kirk Cousins for Justin Houston because that's going to be big time.
1: Yeah, Justin Houston is is playing terrific football. I, I have the Chiefs as well. I think they'll cover. I, I think they'll win by a touchdown. So I, I think if, if the line was seven, I would have said push. Um, <coughs> Washington's a good team, and and you know look, Jordan Reed's going to give the Chiefs a little bit of a problem without our Berry, and, and I expect him to, to do well. Although uh, Hunter Henry and Antonio Gates went for I believe it was two catches combined. Hunter Henry didn't have a target in the game, um, but Yeah, the Redskins have been good against the run this year. They're going to have to be Mm -hmm. because Kareem Hunt, like I don't want to like overhype a guy who's on the team I root for, but Kareem Hunt has been unbelievable to this point in the year. He's leading all players by more than 100 yards in terms of yards from scrimmage. He's the only player in the league with 400 rushing yards. In fact, I'm going to check this second. I think he's the only player in the league. Uh, In fact, he is. Dalvin Cook is number two. It's two rookies at the top of the rushing yards chart. Cook has 288. He's number two. Hunt has 401. Uh, he's been unbelievable. And, of course, he's got help with, with Hill and with Kelsey on the outside. Kelsey's been fairly quiet to start the year. Hill's been very good. He's in the top 10 in yardage. Uh, right now, Kareem Hunt is averaging 8.5 yards a carry. He has four touchdowns. He's had a receiving touchdown of 75 yards. He's had a rushing touchdown of 53 and another one of 69 And he had another one that wasn't a score that went over Mm. 50 yards. He's had four plays this year of over 50 yards in three weeks. So the Redskins have to stop him first and then go from there. I look for Norman to be on Hill throughout much of the night. That'll be a matchup to watch. Ultimately, yes, I think the Chiefs win. I think the Chiefs can out-coach them a little bit. Nothing against Jay Gruden, but Reed's been, you know, one of the better coaches in the league for 20 years. And I think it's very hard to win at night in Arrowhead for a road team. That is a different atmosphere. And uh, the Chiefs – I think come home and and really have a lot to improve upon because they, they've they taken way too many penalties. And so I, I look for the Chiefs to get that win. And then you're right, the schedule gets tougher. They do go to Houston, where, frankly, I do think they'll win that game. But then home to Pittsburgh, at Oakland, home to Denver on a Monday night, at Dallas before a bye week. So all of a sudden, uh, things tightening up a little bit on the Chiefs in terms of schedule. But I think they get the 4-0 this week. I think they'll handle business.
2: Yeah, as long as the Chiefs don't find a way to shoot themselves in the foot where, you know, they're on national television. I don't know how you have uh, anxiety about them playing in primetime. So do a lot of Chiefs fans. You know, this, this goes the Chiefs' way unless you get down into a close game, and then that's when Travis Kelsey decides to do something that gets himself kicked out of the game, or Marcus Peters mouths off to the wrong official, or does something that, you know, and we saw that on, on Sunday against the Chargers in a game that they were handedly going to win. They were, they were playing sloppy. They were just playing mentally, they were sloppy with stupid penalties and mouthing off and this kind of stuff. So the Chiefs are finalists. They shoot themselves in the foot, but they're going to win.
1: I'll be honest. I think the Chiefs, right now, and it's going to change because we're only three weeks into this season. I think right now they've been the most impressive team in the NFL this year. Mm. Uh, you know, And, and I, I put them right there with the Falcons. I think they've been the two best teams in football. I don't think you could really make an argument otherwise. They're the only mm. two undefeated teams. And, and last year when the two teams played each other, they played a great game down in Atlanta. The Chiefs won with a lot of help from Eric Berry. Um, I, think, I think those two teams right now are the two best teams in football. And look. You want to get to the Super Bowl in the NFL, you better win games you're supposed to win. You better get home field advantage. You better give yourself that situation. In the AFC, in my eyes, the Chiefs, the Pats, the Steelers, those three teams are going to be battling it out for a bye week. And you know what? And of course, I I'll also have to include you know, the Raiders and the Broncos, but should the Chiefs win the, the West, uh, they'll be battling it out. Mm-hmm. You need to win every game. Like That loss by Pittsburgh to Chicago... That, that could cost them. They they could That could be the difference between them having a bye and them having to play in the wild card round. Chiefs can't let up, can't have a bad game this week. I think it's going to take 12 wins to have a bye in the AFC. It might yeah. take 13 to be the one seed. Of course, mm-hmm. the Chiefs have the tiebreaker on New England. That being said, it's early in the year, but I do think the Chiefs will get the 4-0. I think they'll be perfect at the quarter poll. And for us, for this week, that is it. Ran a little long, almost an hour and 24 minutes, so hopefully uh, – you enjoy listening to us because you have a lot of us. Uh, for Josh Hill, IMF, actually, excuse me, Before we forget, dying on this hill. What, what hill are you dying on this week? Oh, well. I, I don't want to
2: shortchange. <laughs> uh, three things are going to happen this next week, and we'll, we'll circle back next Monday and see if they happen one is the Vikings are going to come crashing back down to earth it's going to be an up and down year for them I think that we're going to see one week they look really impressive like they did against New Orleans then they crap the bed against the Steelers look really good against the Buccaneers fall to the Lions There's going to be that kind of a pattern throughout this year so that's going to be one thing that happens it's also going to be their first home loss of the season so look for that the second thing is going to be that the Jaguars are going to be three and one and they're going to be considered very serious contenders for the AFC South division. I know. I don't want to live in that world either, but it's going to be the world that we're going to be living in. And then the final one is that it's going to be the return of the Thursday night blowout because the Bears are going to go into Lambeau and get absolutely waxed, and that's going to be the return of this narrative of, oh, God, Thursday night football, here we go, because last week was really entertaining. It was really great. Leave it to the Bears to ruin that. So those three hills, we're going to see if I died on those or if I shouldn't have died on those next week.
1: I'm I'm actually... If I had to, I'd be wanting to die on all three of those. Movies. I think those, I think you're astute in all three of those points. <laughs> uh, so that is it. After a little tease, you thought we were going to go, but no. Came out for an encore. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes. It means the world to us. Uh, please rate the podcast. By all means, leave us some feedback. You want to email myself, dot matt, I uh, you have any feedback you'd like to give us, you want to tweet one of us, uh, Go right ahead. We're always happy to hear from anybody listening. Uh, the response has been great, and we really appreciate it. Um, so for Josh Hill, I am at Verderam. Enjoy the Monday night game between the Cowboys and Cardinals, and enjoy week four. We'll be back next Monday to talk about it, and when we come back, I'm going to be a dad. Enjoy living in that world.
0: Progressive presents Forest Metaphors, about bundling your home auto and other vehicles. In hockey, it's the goalie's job to protect the net. And in life, your net is your home and auto, but also your boat, motorcycle, RV, or ATV. And your goalie is the -the round-the-clock protection offered by Progressive Insurance. Well, it's also the savings you get when you bundle. So in this metaphor, you have two goalies, which is okay because, you know, it's just a metaphor. Forced Metaphors, presented by Progressive. Bundle and protect today. Progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates discount not available in all states or situations.